Welcome to Story Arc, Episode 8. This is a podcast where I develop story arcs with the help of guests and you, the audience, in the Fey Realms universe. I'm Trevor Sutton, and this is my guest, Brady the Just. Let's create! On a recap here, uh, we discussed the uh, Corvidae and Watchers group in the last episode along with Norco, the uh, second member of the Titan and Destroyed group at our uh, Piper's partner. That's a, that's a tongue twister there. And we also discussed uh, the mute in a psych ward that is monitoring the ancient, but also uh, detects other specials for this school group that are this government group that uh, monitors and watches specials in this school. And I think that gets us caught up and ready for today's episode. All right, I'm glad to be back here, uh, as always. So, but uh, I do, I do very much like the idea of having a mute character just whose only job is to detect things. That reminds me uh, quite a lot of uh, of characters from comic books and things. And I think I think you can do a lot with him because if he is basically. I almost see him like the Watcher character from Marvel, where he is monitoring these events, but he's because he is mute, he doesn't necessarily know how to act upon them. So I know I know you said that he uh, he can communicate through touch. Yes. But I but I can imagine that um, I'm 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 imagining him as kind of a conduit for immense power. Yes. Of the ancient, I'm imagining that if he if he goes up and touches someone. They're probably only going to get flashes of an image, right. or maybe, like let's say, let's say just for an example, like the ancient is in danger, and he and he knows the specifics of the ancient is being poisoned by something, etc. He knows those specifics. I imagine if he tries to communicate that and touches someone, the only thing that the recipient is going to receive is, "Hey, the ancient is in danger," right? And not this whole specific of why, how, and where. It, well, I think you're you're really close to what I'm thinking too, because the issue is, is yeah, is this this ancient thing is just bat poop crazy, and it's and it's basically enveloped this dude. He doesn't have much. Let's say he's a computer, okay? This this conduit dude. And all his processes are being taken up by this, by the ancient. It is such a pervasive force that he can feel that it is literally taking up just about everything. And when he does spare time to look away and detect for a second or do something with this group, they have to, they have to, I mean, they have to really try hard to get his attention. I mean, it's a thing they have to go through and they don't do it often because it's, this dude's, you know, just, just barely holding on and maybe he's not even holding on to his insanity. He's just you know, a wash in this thing. So, and I think that goes along. And yes, so, so when he touches something, a lot of it, like he's using his full force to direct what he's, you know, what he's thinking about and, and basically shielding the person he's touching too from the insanity of this ancient. Because that, I mean, that probably takes up a lot of like, you know, oh God, I don't want, if, if I, cause if he touches anybody, I mean, he's, he'd probably drive them insane with what he's seeing and what he's experiencing. And so he's got to not only, you know, communicate what he's thinking about and, and, you know, pass that information, but he's also got to shield away from this ancient's uh, insanity. And I like the uh, I like the idea of a conduit. I think that's a, that's an excellent idea, too. That's a that's a really good uh, word to, to kind of describe him. The conduit. Yeah, I mean, I almost imagine it like a like a uh, kind of like a, a dam holding back a big ocean where the ocean is all this ancient and this power and this information. And let's say let's say there's a the person on the other side who is receiving said information just has a small bucket. 
and this conduit is the is the dam holding all the information back and he basically needs to open the dam but not let everything out he just needs to fill the bucket and then close it so i i like i i, I like that idea of him kind of being mute insane and yet also he knows more and can see more than everyone else in this universe can and i also i also like the idea of uh of it taking a very long while to get his attention I can almost see a bit of humor just going in with all the characters going, uh, all right, we've got, we've got no choice. We need to uh, go speak to this conduit. Well, what's the conduit? Oh, he's a guy who kind of knows everything, sees everything, um, and we can get information from him. Well, why didn't we go to him before? Oh, it takes like three days to get his attention. I mean, it's it's a very time-consuming process. I mean, we only do it whenever it's like uh, whenever it's like everything is on the line because we just don't want to waste the time otherwise. <laughs> absolute necessity or uh, absolutely necessary yeah yeah I can imagine that otherwise it would just be why not go to him all the time and just get all the information beforehand so it's like oh yeah no it's extremely extremely difficult like we're gonna have to do some crazy things to get this guy's attention (laughs) so uh oh that's a good idea maybe that's one of the things that they have to do is uh, they pull in uh, Norco the guy that can trans transceive these you know basically send drug signals to kind of dampen uh what's his name's part of the brain or maybe they have to shoot in some of this uh uh the other drug we we decided on distortion so it kind of dampens his ability or something a little bit so that he can concentrate on what he's at but it takes a whole bunch of preparation to not overdo it or over mess him up man that's an excellent idea and and then the huge preparation process and even then the dude's probably not even got all all of this you know nuts in a barrel at that point (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I but I like that idea because, for example, with me, um, with my – just the way that my personality is, I get overwhelmed by certain stimuli and such very easily. So I need uh, – like I need vitamins. I need, uh, I need a certain like level of preparation and balance to be able to do some certain things. Like if, for example, if someone were to say to me, hey, Brady, I want you to go to this massive party and we're leaving in five minutes – that goes against my whole I want to be slow paced, I need to know beforehand and hey, I don't really like massive parties, but if I have to or if I really want to go, normally to impress a goal, it's really I need to have some type of balance or some type of moment where I calm myself down enough to be able to function in that environment. And I can see uh see the conduit kind of having his own like there's a ritual because like maybe maybe it's if you take him away from the ancient, he just gets overwhelmed by maybe the silence or the oh. lack of voices in his head. I don't know. Or like you said, maybe maybe if we disconnect him from the ancient, well, the power goes everywhere. It can infect and drive the people around him insane. So there needs to be a ritual or drugs or some other form of we need to prepare this guy for getting out of his normal. Which that's how it works with me. I mean, if I'm out of my normal for like a massive thing, like a gigantic party, I need at least a couple minutes of preparation and preparing myself for it so I can function and not break down because it's just so stimulating. Maybe the conduit works the exact same way. And in fact, I'm sure it'd be kind of like stopping a pipe too. So maybe maybe while he's gone, he steps out of it 
and he and he's only got so much time because that that pressure is building and everything else. He's got to get back into it, otherwise it's just going to explode, or he's going to explode. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and so and so and not only that, so like when he steps back in, maybe it's just pure insanity for that second. Like you know, you know, he does this at a price. You know, hey, I'm doing this. Don't do it very often because uh, once I get back in there, I for the next couple of days, um, you know, everything's messed up because you've you've interrupted this this conduit here and and things have backed up and I've got to sort through and go through and and it's it's not nowhere near the amount of you know, information that anybody's able to, to, to process. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I like the idea. That's kind of how, how I am again. Like if I, if I go to a massive party, like I can do it and I can do a a massive party if I have the population time, but afterwards, I mean, I'm crashed. I need like a day to just be myself, be introverted and recover. And so I like the idea of it being like, yeah, I can step out of it, but whenever I get back in, it's going to take me a while to get back to that normal and to recover from the from the intense uh, change that has happened in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be some good human element to it too, and and, and just good backstory and stuff. Yeah, because they have to prepare certain things, especially if they're gonna they're gonna have him um, or because he also detects whether there's other specials around. So maybe he'll he'll have other little things that he can kind of. You know, offshoot. So maybe he'll have like he won't step out of it fully. He can just go, you know, like send a signal and then have someone come in and he'll touch him for a second to redirect some information. But he doesn't have to fully step out of it. He's just enough. And maybe that's why he's mute. He can never fully leave this thing. He's always, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like having kind of like like for the major crises and things, he steps out of the of the connection with the ancient at a place for himself. But for a minor, simply, hey, there's a new special. He maybe makes a hand signal, someone comes in, touches, and he can just relay that burst of information. Yep, and that's the only way he can do it without fully, uh, you know, leaving and doing this whole ritual of whatever. And that and that ritual that they have to do to, to fully separate him and actually speak to him is something that's that's it's it's a huge, like you said, a huge preparation, a huge thing they have to prepare for, and he has to leave and then get back in. That's man, that we, and we can do some really interesting things with that with that part of the storyline. What happens? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so I think it'll be cool, and it'll and it'll also uh, I can imagine a storyline, or maybe a, a bit of character development for him, where maybe they can't prepare him, or the person who is normally his, I guess, translator, um, is unavailable or sick or dies, etc. And they kind of have to deal with the well. Normally we have this whole three day long ritual, but the world's about to end in five minutes. We need to pull this guy out now, and they don't know what that will do to him, what that will do to them, if it will do something, if, if the consequences will be worse than the information that they are getting. Yeah, that's, oh man, that's sick. That's awesome. I mean, once again, just bringing it back to my life, like if I'm dropped, like if I'm dropped in a situation with no preparation, it is extremely hard for me because I need to uh, basically prepare while I am surrounded by all of the stimuli. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it can't be done, but it is extremely like, Nobody knows what's going to happen to me because I'm, I'm trying to calm down while everything around me is riling me up. Yeah, it's taxing. So, it's taxing. Yes. It takes a lot. And, it, and so it, it can potentially have consequences where I could just crash or some or break down or et cetera. Um, so I can see like maybe make maybe you making a list of all the consequences that could happen and then just pull one out of a hat. But like okay, he's going to have a total psychic breakdown and maybe a 
maybe a shale knowledge that shouldn't be shared. Yeah. Oh. Ooh. Because I imagine that he has a he has a responsibility. Um, like he is studying this ancient. Um, maybe the ancient is giving him secrets, giving him lore, giving him kind of like here's your real time news feed of what is happening in the world. And maybe maybe his muteness is kind of a vow of or a symbolism of his silence. Like he's not going to go around and just whenever he's brought out of this ether, immediately go, hey, there's three life-changing secrets about you three, and I'm going to share them with you. Maybe he just has that, I only share what is necessary, not not what I want to share. He's not there to shape everything. He's just there yes. to, to keep it. Well, there's there's some more stuff here. Um, Ethan, the uh, eccentric teacher that uh, uh, Addison is part of this class, um, we're thinking uh, uh, one of the things that was shared on the show was that possibly that um, in order to get these kids extra stressed out, that he kind of has like a latent ability to kind of pan out his stress and his um, anxiety on this group. And that maybe that was brought upon by either this mute thing, kind of maybe having one of these accidental outbursts of stuff and kind of transmitting the idea of what he's seeing to Ethan. And that's kind of like heightened his uh, whatever, or, or maybe sprung, and now he can sit here in this group and, and put them under a high level of stress and high levels of anxiety so that it brings about the ability more a lot better. But that's basically the only thing he can do, you know, or like something that, that effect. Yeah, and then and then there's some more stuff that it got kind of creepy here too. So I don't <laughs> no, know. If it's I'm... almost Halloween. Lay it on me. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't go digging too much into this. Um, in uh, in a lot of stuff going on on now, uh, high high circles, the Vanderbilts and some other high society type peoples. They, I guess, there's some uh, pagan rituals they do involving a god called Moloch, M-O-L-O-C-H, and they're his totem, okay, the thing that he shows up is this owl, and they, they worship him during special times or whatever, but basically it's this old pagan devil worship stuff, and this thing goes back past the Celtic times, past Roman times, and that he is this insane uh, arbiter of, of information and stuff, much like the ancient that I've, you know, created in this whole thing, and and so, and and I mean, there's some neat things I might be able to tie back again to to reality, or have uh, have certain things that maybe this uh, group might be run by Moloch or the ancient. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And then uh, one more one more quick thing, going back to uh, the conduit, uh, just real quick. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I did get an idea with uh like maybe if if they have to yank him out entirely, and he kind of like maybe he can't stem. The like maybe the whole purpose of the ritual is to not only prepare him, but also give him time to kind of bl basically block off the pipe oh, yeah. where the information is coming in, and so he kind of prevents it from leaking out while he is gone and can't and he can't absorb it. Maybe if they yank him out, the information like maybe just for an instant, an instant is sometimes all you need. If they yank him out without preparation, the information just kind of flies out and secrets are revealed. And that could potentially – I mean that could potentially do something to the characters. So the ancient – let's see. If this was – if we were to compare this to cellular biology in our in our universe was contained within an atom, okay? Okay. This ancient is basically like a, a single-celled organism on the outside of this molecule – trying to find a way into this thing and access our 
our universe, which contains our solar system and billions of other or trillions of other solar systems, right? Well, mm -hmm. this thing is the size of a solar system, if not bigger, okay? And uh, where was I going with this? Okay. And he can't access this. Or maybe this is a way this dude is basically like kind of like a window that this mm -hmm. thing can access. And if he doesn't monitor it all the time or keep it plugged up, this thing can access our universe. And, and maybe not in a full way, but it's just kind of like a, a piece of his breath that all this information is, all this insanity and, and this conduit. This, this guy's keeping plugged up. And this dude, this conduit, is looking for his next successor because he knows if someone's not there to keep this thing plugged up, if someone doesn't take on this and sacrifice himself to take over his position when he dies, you know, the world is in peril. And he is literally a keystone to either holding back or whatever for the for the planet unknowingly to anybody else because he can't really talk. And that's, one of it, and that's why he has this ability to find specials because he's on this full track to find another special like like him that has his ability yes. in fact what happens is is all this stuff goes through um and in the end marshall comes back from the ancient and he's trying to get stuff to happen and some life altering stuff happens to marshall and 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 at the end just before the ancient accesses and and they find out that they're going to use the conduit to break through uh marshall realizes his mistake regains his humanity and takes over and he becomes the next yes. conduit yes i like it i like it that's awesome Ooh, yes and it almost it almost reminds me because this wouldn't be my appearance on the podcast if i didn't plug in at least one comic book reference this reminds me of a, the storyline original sin which was a, a marvel storyline and basically for the spark notes version a being known as the watcher is basically ordered to observe events that happen in our galaxy, in our solar system, in the billions of other areas. He can only watch, but he can't intervene. Yes. Now, during, the, now during this, uh, this series, uh, the Watcher is found murdered on the moon by uh, the Avengers, the X-Men, and several other groups of heroes, and they, and they discover that his eyes have been cut out and stolen. Ooh. And his eyes are basically the containers for all of the secrets, information, and things that he has seen over his billions of years of existence. And so the heroes go on a go on a quest to figure out who killed the Watcher and recover his eyes. Uh, during a battle with some supervillains who uh, had previously raided the Watcher's sanctum and stolen stolen his eyes, but they didn't kill him, the eyes break. And reveal secrets to the various heroes that are their quote unquote original sins. And it, and it basically causes problems with the Marvel Universe. Like Iron Man and Hulk have a strained relationship. Um, Captain America figures out that Nick Fury has been lying to him all this time. Thor loses control of his hammer, etc. And there are all of these new discoveries. And so, and then basically, uh, they discover that Nick Fury, uh, so basically, the heroes discover that Nick Fury has murdered the Watcher in an effort to find a successor for a position that he calls the Man on the Wall. And he, and he basically explains this as, heroes, do you know all of the extra-dimensional beings and aliens who have attacked Earth? Well, that's only a small portion of what's out there, and the only reason that these all of these millions of evil beings haven't been attacking the oath is because i've been murdering them i've been doing 
preventative measures to prevent them from doing this, but I'm getting older, I'm going to die, and I need to find a successor. And whenever the Watcher basically tried to stop him, and Nick Fury got angry because the Watcher could only watch and not intervene in these crises that were happening, he murdered the Watcher and stole one of his eyes. And that's, it kind of, that series kind of reminds me of what, or makes me think of what is going on here with the Conduit, who is basically Nick Fury looking for a successor to take over all of the information that maybe not, not a lot of people would, would do. I mean, Yes, and so I like that, and I also – I think it would be really cool if you had all of these secrets that this conduit is keeping maybe get out, and that could be a story arc in itself as the heroes have to deal with, hey, so-and-so betrayed me, or hey, uh, there's a – I have a family member who I didn't know existed, or hey, what I thought about my past suddenly isn't true because that's what they did in the comics, and they – made all these characters basically have to second-guess themselves, their friendships, and what secrets they were willing to keep. So I just uh, find that really cool. Oh, man. <laughs> well, and that's one of the things that I think is is is, uh, is key about the Ancient, is it literally knows everything. And to know something, you have to have experienced it and, and lived it and everything else. And so in order to know burning or dying or um, love okay you have to experience those things so all this information you know is 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 in this this conduit and yeah that's i mean i think that's you're right no one would ever want that job and that and putting marshall in that position where he feels like you know oh i've 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 nearly destroyed the universe i'm just about to destroy the universe i made some really bad decisions my life is boring anyways because of all this stuff i've already gone through i'll never get back to the fey realm you know i i will sacrifice myself and take over the conduit's position at this point yes i i think that would be a really cool character character moment for him yeah that's that's cool man That'll be some neat development, and, and that won't be for a long time, though, either. That's, I mean, that's not even in, anywhere near this story arc's, you know, ending and whatever. So, oh, gosh. Wow. All right, now, now, speaking of Marshall, I know that you said that uh, you wanted to focus on his attack on the Fey Realm. Yes, that's what this and whole how... story arc is about, is is Marshall returning to the Fey Realm and trying to save Tatiana. I, yes, I think... That'll be really cool. So you said that he basically needs to be able to manipulate Addison into drawing a portal that will allow him and his forces the ability to access and attack the Fey Realm. Yes. Yes. Okay. I can imagine that being a battle of epic proportions. But before we get into that, um, what? So mm, trying to figure out how would how would he manipulate Addison into doing doing this well there's it's a two-phase thing first of all it's going to be um the assault force is basically going to be a fraternity okay and these people are basically learning how to use their abilities so they can protect themselves they don't know they're being trained in reality to assault the fey realm okay uh marshall's kind of keeping a lot of his cards close to his hand not letting anybody know um and there's two things that marshall needs of addison it's a the ability to open said portal so that not just Addison and whoever she's touching goes through, but it stays open for anybody to walk through. Okay. And B, um, it, uh, uh, it, it leads to the Fey realm, a place where she's never been. So that's going to be a portion of her par- uh, power. That's, 
you know, undeveloped. She, she's never, she's never traveled somewhere she's never been before or somewhere that's not in her idea of reality. So he'd have to get her to draw this fey realm. And on top of that, I'm toying with this this idea. Um, I was I was just gonna have Oberon be like, "Oh, um, get out of my way, Marshall!" And he's already mad at Marshall, so he just slaps this dude and uh, pimp, sla- pimp slaps him into uh, <laughs> into a portal and sends him off and doesn't care where he sends him. But Marshall ends up in front of the ancient. Um, but oh. I. Th- and that's well. That's what's going to happen. He's going to. They're going to think he's dead or off on some other universe. But he he ends up in front of this ancient, and a whole slew of stuff happens behind the scenes there. But what I think is going to happen is what I think is going to be the better idea because the reason the ancient wants her in the first place, Addison, is because she's able to bridge that barrier, break that. She that's I mean that's which she is more powerful in that area of teleportation than any fairy or any uh, angel or demon is she's able to pierce that barrier that the ancient can't so he wants to get her to, so what I'm thinking is, is um, she's going to have either a lot of hatred or vitriol in her heart because of she thinks maybe Matthew her boyfriend has cheated on her and, and she that'll thinks, do it yeah, <laughs> and, and you know hell hath no fury like a woman scorned issue. amen and then and, and in order to get rid of all this anger and stuff maybe she calls forth on one of her old nightmares um, and in order they, they they kind of rig this plot to get rid of Oberon because that's their intentional bad guy they think Oberon's the one that did all this stuff and they want to get rid of him maybe their their whole thing is to get there and then and then send him through the portal to somewhere and she goes I know where I'm gonna send him I'm gonna send him to scribbles yeah you know. <laughs> but it, uh, and instead uh, Oberon's a bit more powerful than they anticipated and knocks uh, Marshall into there and closes it because maybe he's aware of where, you know, <laughs> that portal's actually going, whereas Addison's not too, you know, whatever. But either way, um, that I think that's the whole thing right there is we need, again, the ability to open a portal for people to go through and she can kind of sustain it and a portal to the, the Fey world because it's all going to be in the same – it's all going to be in the same universe, just diff- maybe different solar systems or different whatever. I think – because you did say uh, Hoticho um... – What's his name again? Started with an E. Ethan. Ethan. Oh, he needs. That a, was close. He needs a good last name too. Ethan. Uh, well, I can imagine, like you said, that he has the ability to enhance stress in people. Well, yeah, and and, and I'm still toying with it. It may or may not be an ability. It may just be, you know, he's just really good at it. <laughs> oh yes, I've I've had people who are like that, but I can I can almost imagine, like maybe if I mean Addison's angry. Hope maybe she thinks Matthew's cheating on her. Her heart's broken. She's toned all that passion that she had for him into rage. Yeah. And maybe she still has some control over it. Like she has just bottled it up and pushed it down and said, I'll deal with this later. And then Ethan comes in and starts stressing her out, starts poking and prodding and doing whatever he does to raise her stress level to the point where she explodes. And maybe that explosion is kind of a, a, a boast of raw power where she decides, like, I'm angry, I'm stressed, I'm going to draw to to uh, relieve my stress, and her anger gets to be too much for her. Maybe she breaks a crayon or breaks a, a pen and then just inadvertently creates this portal. And because, because she is so angry and so stressed and so powerful with this dark energy, she can kind of blast it out and and create a portal and hold it open just 
because of her rage, or maybe maybe that that raw power is directed by someone. Well, maybe uh the ah oh god, I'm forgetting names today. The main bad guy who was attacking the Fey Realms, Marshall. Marshall, I'm forgetting names today. Maybe Marshall uh, sees that raw burst of power, takes it and sculpts it into the portal that he needs. Well, he doesn't need Addison to necessarily understand what she is doing. He just needs her angry enough to create enough power where he can take that and sculpt it into his own needs. Oh, maybe like a a bit of the conduit's power himself. Maybe he has that latent ability of, uh, of, of able to see and maybe even form magic that's already there. Maybe he can't produce his own magic, but he can definitely shape and and do something else. That'd be an interesting concept, and that, uh, that that's going to take some serious toying around with. And I think what's going to happen too is is uh, Marshall's going to, or yeah, Marshall's going to frame Matthew. I think he's going to either okay. have a girl walk out of his room, or you know, oh. s- something happen. And maybe this girl is going to be in the assault force, someone that's really um, uh, on his uh, roster, someone that that truly believes in him and will do anything you know he says. Because he's going to be this. He's also a theater major. He's the major <laughs> actor in. Uh, and uh, the the college plays and stuff, and people, you know, they they find him attractive, and he's that you know that all star dude, and he's got like yep. this this fake front that everybody absolutely wants to be a part of, and whatever. So I think we can, because that's that could definitely that can definitely direct where we need to go and how we need to get there, and then it wouldn't take much to drive that storyline in that direction. That's I think that's an excellent idea. Yep, and then uh, whenever you talk about the assault force, because uh, well, I just want to quickly, uh, my tactical mind is going full frontal here. What what defenses does the Fey Realm have if they are attacked? Um, how do they? How, what is their primary method of fighting back? Oh man! Uh, so season two is actually gonna is gonna actually delve into the uh, the realm of the fairies and and Tatiana. It's gonna be. I, I'm I'm either thinking it's gonna be on the editor or uh, my, my illustrator, Sarah, wants to do uh, the Raven Queen and start doing a bunch of stuff in that direction. Oh, and there's some really neat stuff with the editor. But we're going to – we'll talk about that later. Um, as far as the fairies go, they are magic users. And I don't know how else okay. to put it other than that – if you think of your you know sorcerer that can you know fireballs or levitate or, or okay. you know – They've been living and breathing this stuff for centuries, and they're used to a certain level of – or a certain modicum of, of this uh, magic. So maybe they can do shields and fireballs and uh, psychic protections and stuff, you know, they, and they're okay. used to it. and Or not used to it. I don't know what I'm saying. They're well, – the, the, the masters at it. They, are, they know like we – they pretty much like they, – they throw fireballs for fun, but they can use them for war if needed. Exactly, uh, and there is a cast of guards, uh, a, 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 an ar- not an army. I mean, they have an army, but yes. they have a they have a certain they have cast groups. So there'll be like the royal cast, the merchant cast, the working cast, the army cast. So this the, or uh, guard cast, I think is what I what I was looking at. Yes. So this guard cast, they'll have the royal guard, they'll have the uh, the the National Guard, the City Guard, or whatever. You know, they'll have their different okay. sections and, and, and defense groups. And then the and Oberon will have his personal guard and, you know, the, the certain things. So they'll call in or use whatever is necessary at that point. Because the assault group's going to take the the Fey Realm, and it's, and it's for one purpose only, to drive in, grab Tatiana, 
and then take off to a different part of the Fey world. Okay, so they're not looking to conquer anything or do a long pitched battle. It's really just a massive surgical strike. Exactly, and 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 they're gonna try and keep it as low key as possible too. Maybe they want to sneak in, and I think that's one of the the key elements. They're gonna try and sneak in to the royal cast, uh, the basically their castle, so to speak. It's gonna be a large tree, and they're gonna try and sneak in and save Tatiana, but it's not gonna go anywhere near what they think it is. Okay, so so I'd imagine like from what I what I've done in video games and other stories is is mostly magic users. They are extremely good at ranged combat and they are extremely good at the element. So for example, if you've got a guy who can throw fireballs, he can do fireballs, create walls of fire, um, bring down meteors, etc. Things that involve flame. Well, I'm thinking. Well, yeah, exactly. Yes, uh, you know they have their own specialities, and I and I agree with you. I think that's a, that's a good idea. But there are going to be swordsmen, and they're not going to have too much use for guns since they can use magic, obviously. Yeah. But so so basically, the def- let's say let's just say uh, for just for simplicity's sake, the defenses of the Fey Realm are uh, melee melee uh, guards and forces. There is a dedicated melee cast, I guess. Uh, there's probably some other archers or other uh, ranged units who don't use magic. And then there are the the mages, which kind of make up the bulk of the of the defenses. It is primarily, if they are attacked, they're going to be using magic first. Right. Well, a lot of this stuff, too, is just like muscle movement or breathing to them. Everything they do is going to have magic involved. So if they're just shooting arrows, they're probably going to enchant the arrow to do something. Maybe they'll have it uh, home in on things, and, and and maybe that's their specialty is they can actually uh, you know, interact with that element. That sounds really cool, kind of inter- uh, basically enchanting the weapons to do whatever the person may want. Um, you could definitely play around with that like a fire fire mage shooting a bow for whatever reason his arrows bone and cut through armor yeah Um, maybe someone yeah maybe someone who can control the wind having like super fast sword strikes where they disarm three guys before anyone knows what is happening um so i'd imagine if if there is an assault force and i know it's probably not going to be equipped for battle but i would imagine that if if uh if they knew that the battle was going to be unavoidable, they're probably going to have counters for each of these abilities. Um, since the Fey Realm is primarily magic-based, um, I think they could meet magic with magic. You are going to have, as you said, the students who follow Marshall and who have been kind of not trained for battle, but have been trained to use their abilities to protect themselves. Yes. I'd also imagine maybe a maybe a separate group in the fraternity that is that focuses on resistance to magic like a defense type of deal so maybe mm-hmm. like some guy that's uh, specialized in shielding or yes. canceling magic or yes because uh some of like the anti-mage uh like builds in video games and things they they really focus on negating the effects of magic either like templars and such in dragon age they are the Sword and shield, uh, wards against magic, etc. So I can almost imagine kind of a kind of like a assault force of defenders who are using shields and negating all of this magic that makes the Fey Realm not special, but gives them the edge. And then the school's magic users are able to use their magic with impunity. Well, oh, I, okay. So one of the things I was toying around with is that. Uh... 
uh, I, I don't know if, if this was you I was talking with or somebody else that the the fae are if you if uh, an analogy would be uh, fish they 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 live in water they breathe water they know water they you know swim in water everything else they eat water drink water whereas mm-hmm. a human um, they can't swim in water they can't uh, they can't breathe water they can't well I mean they can swim in water obviously <laughs> but not as well as a fish you know mm-hmm. but then they can take water and use it as a means to produce electricity. You know, they can do, they can step outside of water and they can, and, 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 and in this case, the fish can't follow them. So my analogy in this, in this sense is maybe, um, the humans, they are, they're not as diverse and able to do as much as the fae are, obviously, um, because they only have one or two abilities that they can interact with this, this magic with, but since they are human and they're out of this water, maybe they can use it in such a different way. It's so foreign to these fae that they can't counter it, or they, if they can, it's very limited. Maybe since this person is, is only good at making shields, no, none of the fae can, pan, can penetrate it. It's just basically a, it's a barrier, and once this person puts it in place, it can't be brought down until that person says so. But, you that know, could... Yeah, that could definitely work. So I'd, I'd imagine, like a like in in various games, where you're assaulting a a force that is heavily dependent on magic. For example, your entire mindset is we need to make their magic as weak as possible. We need to negate it. We need to magic is their strength. We need to turn it into a weakness for us to have a chance. So I can see that ability of raising barriers. Maybe maybe it's like an anti magical dome. Where it can't be penetrated by magic, and anyone underneath it, their powers are either weakened or shorted out, or maybe maybe because if you if you go with the human analogy, maybe the humans can still use the use the water, use the magic in a certain way that the fae just can't because they've, I guess I guess they're so used to being submerged in magic, they don't know what to do whenever oh there's only magic up to my ankles, I don't. It's it's going to be harder for me to adapt adapt to the situation, dude. I think you just made our next character. Yes. Like, uh, I mean, think about this uh, with the analogy going with the analogy of fish. Maybe this dude can create a giant freaking air bubble oh, that yes. can surround the area they want, and no magic can be used in there or very limited. And maybe he can create other little, you know, he can. Uh, uh, and the humans can maybe bypass that in a certain way. So basically they can just, dude. Yes. And this, and this kind of forces the Fae to rely on their own, uh, natural, like sword fighting and arrows and maybe martial arts, other techniques that aren't, that are still good. I mean, I, I imagine that even without magic, the Fae can still put up a pretty decent fight, Yeah. but the attacks aren't augmented by magic, which makes it so a human can take them on, Without uh, causing any details, kind of like a. It'd be just been... like losing a sense, like sight yes. or taste or smell. I mean, can yes. you imagine you're you're a great sword fighter and uh, your sight is keen, or you're a great bow master? You can shoot perfectly, but all of a sudden you've lost your sight. You can still use a bow. I mean, you have the ability to mm-hmm. shoot a bow, but you don't have the sight to use that anymore. And that's what it'd yes. be like for these fairies, man. Yes. They just they wouldn't be able to fly anymore. Their their flight mm-hmm. would be completely taken away. I mean, it would just it would. <laughs> yes it would disable um, them 
Yeah, like there are some comics, for example, where like Daredevil, where he has his blind radar sense. Yes. That basically allows him to see everything. There have been some comics where he's gotten his sight back or he's otherwise lost his radar sense. He still has his other senses, hearing, smell, touch, to augmented levels, and he has the training of, I can still fight against like six or seven armed gunmen or a criminal with uh, without my radar sense, but it severely deadens me. It doesn't make me useless, but it deadens me. Yeah. And so I can imagine like the like maybe the the uh the Fey having to resort to let's say uh, summon creatures. Like if they summon tree ants or golems or other animals with their magic. They have to kind of resort to that or resort to just fighting without their magic. But it's but it's at a level where a human can fight a fae and hold their own. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and just imagine these, yes. these things that just the shock from from suddenly being without magic too. I'm sure that mm-hmm. would just put them in a state of. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I think I think any assault force um, that you uh, that would like if I were putting together an assault force that would strike at the heart of this realm and complete an objective. It would be one that was very heavily reliant on negating or otherwise uh, deadening the effects of magic to make it so that mere humans can take on the Fae and potentially win in order to uh, give the give the strike team enough time to, to get Tatiana and get out. Yes, and I think that leads us to uh, a way that it's it's foiled too, because in the end we got to have it so that. Uh... Old Marshall gets tossed in that portal and and, and ends up out of there and, and Oberon is is ending up looking like a complete awesome, you know, you know hard 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 to deal with guy. So what's going to happen? I think is is they're going to Oberon's going to figure out this whole bubble thing, and he's mm-hmm. going to have someone shoot the uh, the uh, anti magic bubble dude from outside yes. just using a regular bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. So maybe he gets some like hey. And you should find out when uh, you know when you're out of this dude's bubble, step out of it and shoot this guy, you know, mm-hmm. and and and, uh, and and do whatever you know, or, and find some way to negate the negator, and then yes. and then that's when the the tide of battle starts turning against the humans. And I think he's just going to toss the other humans back, or or uh, what's uh, what's her name? Addison's going to provide a portal for everybody to get back after Marshall's been banished. <laughs> Imagine, like with most shields, like they're very good at deflecting one type of object, but they but the they the but they can't deflect all of them. So kind of like having a non-magical projectile, I like that idea of like how did they get through? Well, this shield is only good against magic. Uh, if it's a normal projectile that they haven't enchanted for whatever reason, then it's it can pierce through the bubble. Yes. Yes. Then it will take the bubble down, give the Fey the powers back, and then, yes, the tide will start to turn. So an anti-magic bubble maker. Man, that's that, that's going to be an awesome character to flesh I out. I like that. That's sick. I like that. So what we're going to need for him, then, is protection. And a reason why they can, whoever it is with inside that anti-magic bubble, can be protected. So maybe, maybe he can provide uh, a certain amount of magic if, if somebody's close to him. Uh, maybe maybe he can provide a certain amount of magic. Therefore, you know, therefore somebody inside that little tiny space, or like you said, maybe it's just ankle deep. So since humans still have access to it, they can still use at their full potential, whereas fairies can't. You're right. So it's not like they're they're completely like a fish out of water. You know, there's still water there, but they're just flopping they around don't. in it. 
Yes. I mean, I'd, I mean, yeah. So like the humans, as you said, though, not as advanced as the fail yeah. in terms of magic. So I'd imagine like if you have water level that's down to your ankles, well, a human, that's normal for them. They yeah. that's what they've studied. That's what they've trained for. For a fae, it's like, hey, my strength is suddenly gone. It's still there, but it's not as effective. And it takes me a while to figure out. Okay, normally, normally I could throw lightning bolts that could char miles, and now I'm barely getting sparks that can burn a human out. Yeah, yeah. So kind of having to deal with that. Um, or maybe it changes then, the frequency they can access this magic on. That could that could work too. So maybe it's because because you can't. Okay, so each each cell of each atom is covered in this stuff that provides this this ability to use the magic. Okay. Um, but I guess on there is some kind of frequency that the so maybe it's like one of those photon shields in in uh, Star Trek where if uh, like with the Borg for instance you'll shoot the Borg once and it'll pass through their shields they'll figure out what frequency your thing's on and then they'll adjust their shields to, to match so maybe what this guy does is he can change jam he's a jammer. Yes. He can jam the frequency and change frequencies of of what these people use their magic on and and in that way he can still allow humans to use this magic. So maybe that's the, that's how he's Yeah. I like that idea. Ooh. Well well maybe the humans have been trained to access different frequencies of magic or different types of it to kind of keep or maybe it's just a humans only frequency and the elves kinda have or the fae kinda have to hack into it. <laughs> And figure it out, and then uh, so I, I I like this. I I can see the battle in my head. That's how that's how cool it is. Um, and I'm already like I'm already put, putting tactics together of how to desperately do this uh, strike force because I'd imagine that the dome would be around the royal tree, yes, or the royal castle. So the elves or the fae are not only motivated to get it back because it is the sacred place it's the center but, of the uh, grove yeah but it also uh but it also kind of allows the humans to sneak in and do a do sneaking until okay by the time we get to the tree the phase sensory abilities are strongest they're gonna see through our wards or disguises or however else they sneak in so we throw up the throw up of the uh the jamming. anti-magic jamming anti-magic uh jammer we cut off any kind of cries for help and prevent, maybe prevent the Fae from calling in reinforcements. Yes, and then they they're gonna run in. Um, at which point their whole plan is for Addison and the group to then make their way to uh, wherever Princess Tatiana is being held, uh, grab her, and then everybody go through whatever portal uh, Addison creates at that point. Yes, it's basically just go in, cut off the communication, and then we can deal with the depowered Fae. So I need someone who's teaching almost SWAT tactics mm-hmm. or yeah, military think... tactics because there's a lot of uh, military who actually uh, leave the military and then go through college. Mm-hmm. That could work. You could maybe have like a former soldier. Yeah. Or maybe maybe even a former soldier who has uh, maybe developed his powers or his attunement to magic late in life so he's not – super young or he's not young like all the other students so he's got that he's got those secrets of a hundred campaigns or however long he's been fighting and he uses that maybe he's one of the people who trust trust uh marshall because uh 
because of like maybe they bond over war stories or something. Yeah, and he uses Marshall as a. Yes. I don't want to make a dead eye or a uh, a dead shot or whatever his name is. A uh, dead shot. Is that is that Daredevil where he can hit anything and ricochet stuff? Uh, no, that's uh, Batman, kind of DC Comics dead shot. He's an expert marksman. Yeah, and I. There's a special class uh, in the MOS, uh, which is called EOD, Explosive uh, Ordnance Disposal. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, it's it's a very high stress job. Um, I'd a couple, imagine a couple of my buddies and they they go in. They they actually have this uh, plastic dome, and they'll stick over um, the uh, EODs now. Uh, anyways, improvised explosive device. Yes. Okay, so they'll put them over this, and they'll blow them inside this little capsule. Um, anyways, these guys work with explosive ordnance all the time. I think, I think, and they're, they're usually trained to, uh, to penetrate and, and, and do, they'll come from another branch of the military and join EOD, or they'll, they'll always have that kind of training a lot of the time, because they're in, they're in a lot of situations where they're going to need that kind of thing. Okay. So I think what's going to happen is definitely one of the one of the, the major assault group guys is is going to be a guy that's out of the military and bonds. That's I think that's an excellent idea. Bonds with Marshall and falls because when I got out of the military, I, I I did have that void. I I'd lost that part of being a part of a. Uh, cog in the machine so to speak but you mm-hmm. the bigger part you yeah. know it's, being it's, part of something part of something bigger yes. having a team around you etc yes yes and the brotherhood and everything else and so naturally he latches on to marshall his training is going to be in um uh clearing so he can you know so that he can teach these people this stuff because that's that's one of the things you get taught normally and then but his main mos his main training would be eod um, explosive ordnance devices, and 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 during this stressful time, he was we have, what would be make things explode. I don't know. I think that'd be kind of counterproductive to certain things. Oh, man, mm. maybe maybe since he is trained in the disposal disposal of uh, of explosive devices. Maybe he has the ability to uh, either kinetically build up a charge in something or take it down. Maybe, maybe that, because for many, uh, many uh, metahuman powers, um, for like mutants and such, they sometimes connect to their past lives. Well, for example, uh, I think, uh, like Wolverine, he was in the Canadian Special Forces alongside Captain America and others. And he kind of got that military mindset so that way whenever he got the adamantium and the razor sharp claws, he was still a military man at heart. Maybe for this guy, he's still kind of like this explosive disposaler, and maybe the magic connects to that side of him and says, now you can create and diffuse explosions on a bigger scale than ever before. And he can kind of build up a charge in either inanimate or animate objects or take it down. So he's kind of a one-man uh, bomb bomb setter and bomb disposal unit. Oh man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So there was a back in back in 
a long time ago, my father and I were thinking of, of superheroes we'd like to write about. And one of the ideas we had was a ring that gave you the ability to control kinetics. And once you said that, you you brought back some a rush of memories for me. It was very nostalgic. Oh, thank, oh, thank you. I'm but glad that, I got to do that. That being said. <laughs> One of the coolest things, and um, speaking of explosions, explosions is nothing but chemical. Uh, uh, okay, well, no, explosions. What you're taught in EOD is is a lot of it is kinetics, kinetic force, kinetic direction, um, and the ability to control kinetics. And not only, and like you were talking about, just make the explosion bigger or smaller. It, it's just a force. Literally yes. a force, you know, going out a pressure wave. I think this dude's gonna be able to control kinetics. That'll be awesome. So he can make it. So if he throws an eraser, okay, it'll hit with the force of a Mack truck. Or yes. in the case of where he learned this ability, so maybe this bomb blows up in his face, and and that at that second it pressurizes him, and he's able to control the kinetics. And he reduces the kinetics of this explosion in his face to nothing but a, a nice breeze. <laughs> yes, I think that would be really, really cool. And especially it would be a good thing for an assault force because, first of all, you don't have to carry all of the uh, all of the materials and explosives and et cetera and risk that being damaged or destroyed or broken during a battle. But you also have the ability to create a very controlled explosion that you know is either going to go off or – not go off, and you don't have to worry about oh the match isn't lighting, or the chemicals are all wrong, or I was hit with an arrow and I can't, and the, uh, the bomb is broken. So I think you could even have him be kind of a, kind of like a like like Gambit, Gambit from the X Men, where like he can touch a rock and like he he can make a bomb out of anything. So I think he would be a perfect kind of noisemaker, like he can maybe do some flashbang type explosions to cover the shield going up and then maybe also during the retreat he can do some like i don't know slam the ground do an explosion throw any fey who are in or out of the dome or who are flying in back and then buy buy his forces time to get out of there kinetic shields to slow the to stop arrows i mean there's any uh, and not only that, we have another character we can do a story arc on. This guy's going to be completely <laughs> awesome. Dude! You know, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I really – I mean, I, I'm a I'm a tactician. I like to play real-time strategy games. So this is my element. This is designing armies and defenses and things. This is this is my, my bread and butter here. Oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, ex-military – uh, perf uh, his ability is controlling kinetics, either amplifying or uh, de-amplifying them. I think he's going to be um, very military-minded uh, and very, you know, he has the like. Oh, I want to do the right thing. Marshall's going to manipulate this guy, but he's got the right things at heart. So he's yes. going to be Marshall's. I think he's going to be Marshall's second-hand man. He's going to teach this group militarily uh, yes. uh, infiltration tactics, clearing tactics, you know, m militarize this group and, and such a – oh, yes. man. And once again, uh, comic book-wise, there was a there was an uh, issue called a Siege yeah. where Norman Osborn has taken control of the government and basically formed his own team of superpowered beings known as Hammer. And – 
Asgard, the city of the Olympian gods, has been relocated onto Earth following a crisis. It's over Broxton, Oklahoma. And he basically manipulates um, Loki, um, a couple Asgardians, and some other Earth criminals to stage an accident where the criminals attack the Asgardians. Uh, the, the resulting damage blows up a football field, killing thousands. The villains fade away, and the Asgardians are left to blame. And so he he basically the, well he basically takes the executive authority out of the president's hands because the president doesn't want to risk a war with Asgard. Um, so he basically takes the executive authority out of the president's hands and says, I am authorizing a strike on Asgard. And his whole thing is he's got a team of, of ex-military who are training his hammer soldiers and the Avenge and the dark Avengers. And this is how we attack Asgard. Here are the, here are the installations that we need to take out. Here are the leaders who we need to deal with. So I can imagine that character being a really good second in command of Marshall kind of manipulating his military values maybe maybe even maybe even saying to him like hey you fought for your country in all of these wars etc now there's a new enemy they're called the fey they are they've he shows he shows maybe all of the like the the war between the school and the resurgent group maybe the damage that's been causing and he kind of manipulates those values of protection service and all the other military uh values into the fey are evil um the fey are dangerous they are going to be hurting your country your friends um and the only chance that we have to stop them is if you train our assault force to strike at their jugular which is basically what norman osborne did to various characters leading up to siege we have we have our assault force or at least the main the main portion of it and i have Mm -hmm. a name we are oh, naming name? Captain Kinetic here. He is going to be oh. well, not Captain Kinetic. That's 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 ridiculous. Could, could, but, he, could he be a, could he be a general or maybe a major? Like, hey, you were major in the army. Hey, eh, you're a major now, Major Kinetic. Well, my my buddy, um, he was from Boston. Uh, he's the guy that joined the EODs, and we were we were real good friends in Iraq. But his name's Mahoney. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Mahoney. Okay, I like that. That'd be a good nod, nod there. Yes, sir. But uh, but uh, we're gonna have to come up. With... <laughs> I think we're gonna have to come up with another name other than Captain Kinetic, though. <laughs> but for now, until he has a name, Captain Kinetic, it is. <laughs> just just pretend like this graphic novel set in the '80s. All the captains came out then: Captain Cold, Captain Boomerang, yeah. all those, all those. So. It's just a weird, weird villain Jeez. name, <laughs> yeah, uh. but but I'm already. I mean, the the just the assault force alone. The ideas I have could probably take up two or three podcasts. But I'm I'm I I can see this battle in my head. I want to write this battle and just go full on insane with it because it's gonna be awesome. Well, when I get to writing it, I'll I'll uh, we'll uh, I'll I'll bring you in on it, and we'll do some cooperative writing on it and stuff. It'll be good. Yes, and so I can I can really see the roles that kind of each of these named characters are going to play in the battle, and then uh, maybe even uh, with Oberon kind of getting all angry. Maybe maybe once the shield goes down, we actually get to see a taste of his power. Oberon, okay, so before he even takes over uh, as king of the Fae, he's actually part of an assassin's guild 
uh, a uh, 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 not a genius, but anyways, uh, he's part of this Assassin's Guild, and he's inserted as a friend to Tatiana and Malachi to kind of infiltrate the royal cast and be a friend. And this whole time, he's training militarily and everything else to be king, unbeknownst to El- to the uh, to the the Fey royals and stuff. So when he gets older and he joins in the hunt and takes over as king, they're not ready for it. They're not prepared for him to even understand what's going on. And and he is militarily speaking and everything else completely prepared. But the thing is, is the uh, the Assassins Guild get completely wiped out, and he's left without any instructions. So when he when he becomes king, he's like, uh, what I do now? I guess I'm gonna party. And... <laughs> I like that. So it's got a full. I mean, and, but militarily wise, he is. He is. He is trained for all that. He is a, a you know a, a, a scary, a scary person in that direction, fighting and everything else wise. He and and counter tactics. I think that the the interaction between those two. And I think I think what you and I should do later on. I play another game called Warhammer 40K. Oh, so do I. I've I have all the books. I've studied it. Um, haven't haven't really played it with like I don't have any minifigures, um, but I do. I know the game. I know how to. I know its understanding. I read all the books. Um, so yes, I'm a I'm an Imperial Guardsman in my mind. That's who I am. My. Uh... My idea is is that you and I are going to set up the battle between the Fey and the uh, um, uh, the assault force, and uh, reenact it just to kind of see oh, how yes. everything's going to work. Yes, that will help me. That is how I work either through video games or just through like I even draw it out. I will yes, draw yes. these counters and areas, and I will play with them. And I think uh, just going back going back to uh, um, Oberon here. You say that he is this big party, party guy, kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'll, I'll be king, I'll live it to the fullest, etc. Yeah. I can imagine, like, the minute, the minute that the attack starts, he snaps into, like, full-on military, I am in the zone, and he starts giving orders, saying, guards, seal off the doors, I want this, I want, uh, I want this military fey group moving in on the humans i want a full report of what is going on use whatever magic we have available um i want the tree defended and i can really see him maybe standing like beside tatiana kind of as a mini boss for addison and her troops to defeat and he is in the zone commanding this battle and all of his commanders and such are like okay we did not expect this from you but all right we're gonna do it and i can see the see the sparring going on between malachi and his like shouting commands to his assault force and oberon trying to do the defense and i can just see that sparring match it's happen it's gonna be whenever Whenever he he first fights the ba- helps fight the battle outside of the tree, and then realizes, hey, we've been infiltrated. Guards aren't checking in. Those someone's found a body. Those sounds of combat. Okay, get the princess to a safe room. Uh, guard guard all the doors. I want double patrols. I want the hounds released, etc. So I can uh, I can just see the can, the uh, con- contrasting generalship. Yeah, really playing through these sections of the battle. And then maybe even like it, w- it would be really cool if maybe whenever like Tatiana is taken from under Oberon's nose and maybe he's well, he doesn't under. Oh, here's sorry. the deal. I'm sorry to interrupt here. Okay, so uh, the whole reason all this stuff's happened, um, 
uh, uh, Marshall doesn't know this, but Tatiana's a raven. Raven. When uh, when uh, Oberon took over, he uh, uh, he he erased Malachi's memory and turned Tatiana and all her followers into ravens. They had the War of the Wings, and this is going to be a huge war scene, a bunch of that stuff. That's what I was. That's what was leading up the the first chapter of the book I gave you. That the first one, the Ascension of Oberon. But he uh, basically. His whole thing was, I'm going to marry Princess Tatiana, and uh, Malachi and I are best friends, and we're just going to live it out after that. We're going to have a good time. But things don't go that way. Tatiana find, uh, He kills Tatiana's boy toy, so she's pissed off at him and, and ignores him. And then Malachi's joined the Royal Guard, so he wipes Malachi's memory, turns um, Princess Tatiana and a raven. They have a giant war. She gets wounded and gets booted to the, to the Earth Realm, and she's Addison's protector. That's why the raven keeps coming in, okay? Because she's been with that family for centuries. And then yes. Malachi got turned into this twisted troll who lost his wings, and now the only thing, and he's and he's kind of evil. He got tainted by this, by uh, Tatiana's magic, and he's been basically sucking the life force out of little children. And the only way to break the curse is the, uh, just a bunch of stuff happened with that. Anyways, mm -hmm. when they go there, when Marshall goes there to free Tatiana, Oberon's like, dude. Is that why you came here? She hasn't been here for years. And then, oh, I mean, it, it just destroys Marshall. It, it, everything he was doing, everything he had done was for nothing, and he didn't even know it. And I can, I can imagine him just kind of going like Hulk ballistic and maybe even just attacking Oberon. And we have this two titans clashing while the humans are trying to escape and the fae are trying to retake the advantage and all of a sudden like the terrain gets upheaved people are thrown the battle kind of it doesn't stop but it becomes less intense as everyone's like oh Watching them our two commandos are slugging it out and then once malachi uh, once uh, not malachi once uh marshall gets pimp slapped into the portal that's whenever the humans immediately tone tail and start retreating and Yes, we've got the we got the the captain Captain Kinetic basically creating a dust storm or an earthquake or some explosion to basically retreat, and then everyone's kind of left with, okay, what the heck? What the heck just happened? What? Do, what? Do, what? What? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I, I mean, I'm, I yes, this battle is going to be epic. Um, but I can def, I can just see so much happening. Um, there's a lot that can be done with the assault force, with the Fae Defenders, and uh, just with uh, how the how the actual stealth mission turns into a no-holds-barred brawl. Heck yeah! Oh, <laughs> man! <laughs> yes, so I think all we, need to, all we need to do is figure out a way to get that portal stable, and then... Uh, and I and think then, that's, uh, that's going to be burned well, into uh, Addison's being with... Uh, the uh, Marshall getting fr or uh, Matthew getting framed by Marshall, he's gonna frame him in some way, and that's gonna have to that's gonna have to happen. At a it's it, something's gonna have to go along there, and I'm gonna have to work on it. But that's why Marshall's I think that's why Matthew's gonna leave out of the whole story too for a little bit because they're having a, a tiff. You know, he's like, okay, I'm gonna yes. let you cool down because I can't talk to you right now because well, I don't even know what the hell's going on. <laughs> Or the heck's going on? Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Um, yes, but I, I, I'm, yeah, I can see the story taking shape in my head, and it's it's awesome. I love whenever I can do that with writing. 
<laughs> so, uh, well, so I'm serious about this. We're gonna have to. Uh, there's a there's a place called Toy Soldier in uh, McKinney. We can actually meet, and they have tables and stuff. Um, and we can we can throw down a few games and try to figure out what the battle's gonna look like. Maybe do it two or three times, and we can see kind of phys- like physically that. what it would look like. And uh, and uh, Jason, another guy that's on the podcast, uh, he plays uh, Nurgle. Uh, the Chaos Army Nurgle. Oh, yes. So he's I, dude. This is gonna be fun. Um, I'm I'm really excited. I think I think uh, it's hard to find people who play Warhammer. It really it yes, truly is. It and is. So you're you're, you're turning into a a diamond a diamond in yeah. the rough. <laughs> yeah. But I do. Uh, but I play Warhammer uh, Warhammer 40k. Um, and then I all oh I know I have an understanding of both games and the love for the lore. And then I've got Pathfinder, uh, Fable, Darkest Dungeon. Oh no, those are video games. Uh, Pathfinder, Fate, um, D- Dungeons and Dragons. I'm starting to learn how to do those. So we've got a lot, and I think uh, I mean I think it's just it's it's going to be awesome. This has been it's it. My mind is going crazy right now, just with uh just with how how all this fighting could work. It's going to be excellent. There's some really neat, uh, there's some really neat uh, physicalities we can work, especially with Captain Kinetic. I think, just that was a brilliant stroke right there, uh, tactician yes. and, and ability-wise. He's going to be able to to do a lot. Um, and then the the negator, whatever that's going to be. I think or jammer. I, I like the idea of a jammer. He jams yeah, like magical frequencies. It's it, it works so perfectly with the assault force. We can keep things kind of under wrap with them, and maybe we can do different uh, different scenes as far as so like. Because you know how they do split scenes from different uh, point of views, like, oh, Addison's over here doing this, but right now we're going to show some of the training that's going on. Yes. So there'll, there'll be some uh, – oh, this uh, – yep. it's working like, out really well. Yes. Or maybe even – yeah, like uh, have – maybe have Addison get introduced to the assault force in passing, kind of like, hey, there's this guy who can do explosions. There's this guy who can jam. There's someone who can control electricity. And there are people who can negate magic, and then only later on does she realize, hey, oh, here's the assault force, and it's all you people who I've met before, and we really get to see what they can do, rather than just being told of their abilities in passing. Because that's that's like like in movies, for example. Like uh, I I remember I saw an interview with uh, Samuel L. Jackson, who played uh, Mace Windu in Star Wars. And he was said to uh, be – Mace Windu is one of the greatest lightsaber fighters in the Jedi Order. And he said uh, for Attack of the Clones uh, with the big Geonosis battle scene where he helps fight the droids, he, he remembered he was like, uh, whenever George Lucas showed me this battle of Geonosis plan, I said, am I going to be in it? Because everyone's been telling me I'm the greatest lightsaber fighter in the Order, but I never get to use my lightsaber. <laughs> so, I, so I think it would be cool if you say like, hey – we got all these guys who have incredible power levels, and just leave it at that. And then X amount of chapters later, oh, we're gonna get to see these guys in action and really focus on what they can do and why they are considered to be the best of their time. All right, well, uh, Mr. Treble, thank you again for having me. I hope to appear on future episodes. Uh, for anyone who is listening and is a fan of what I have talked about today, I do have. Um, my own novel, In a Wolf and a Warrior, which has been completed and is on the road to getting self-published. If you would like to see a draft of this novel, as well as any of my other works, uh, my YouTube channels, uh, and things of that nature, I am on uh, the website Fiction Press. 
fiction plus no space under the name Brady the Just. If you type in Brady the Just and then fiction plus after it, it's going to be me. So if you would like to see my work, get links to my get links to my YouTube channels and as well as any other blog related things that I do, please feel free to check that out. Please feel free to check out Inner Wolf, Inner Warrior and and hopefully uh, you'll be able to snag a copy whenever it is self-published. I highly re- recommend it, guys. This, uh, Brady does some awesome work, and he does some uh, great articles, too. So check out his work. You have been listening to Story Arc. I'm Trevor Sutton. If you like my show and want to hear more, check out Stoic Tales 2018 at podbean.com and subscribe. Please comment and be part of the show and leave reviews on iTunes. Thanks.